0: Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the creator behind the pro camera app Obscura, Ben McCarthy. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I actually just got back from a vacation where... Uh, I actually had a lot of uh, things to photograph and so I've kind of been back into that like I want to try all these different camera apps and play around with them. I even started maybe looking at SLRs but uh, I think what I always end up landing on is it's more fun to try all these different... uh, camera apps that keep evolving like i don't know if you saw darkroom just had a big update
1: i did i haven't had the chance to play with it properly yet but it looks great
0: it just this space is so exciting to me obviously uh apple also agrees because it seems like every version of the iphone the big pitch is the cameras and so um obscura is one that i'm i am more recently familiar with but i'm very very excited uh about so i'm excited to talk to you about kind of its history that's great to hear um, and of course, Obscura 3 launched, uh, it was about a month ago, or I guess a month and a half ago at this point.
1: A month and a half. Yeah, it was mid-February.
0: Yeah, so big update. Um, really excited to get into that. But before we do, I want to uh, introduce everybody to you and uh, what you've done. So the three questions I always ask everybody is, where are you from? Do you have a formal education uh, related to what you do? And then the big one, what was your career like leading up to Obscura?
1: Uh, good questions. Big questions. <laughs> um, to start off, I am from Dublin in Ireland and have grown up here pretty much all my life. I've moved around Dublin a bunch, but always staying in the general area. Um, and I spent a bit of time in America as well. I did a year in New York right after college. Oh, nice. But since then, I've been back here. I
0: think you're our, you're our second uh, Dublin. Oshin uh, of Castro fame is... was He was in Dublin, right? I know he's in Ireland, but...
1: He's in Ireland... I don't know if he's from Dublin specifically. But anyway, yes, another. Seems like there's a cool
0: uh, like iOS scene in that area that I'm kind of jealous of.
1: There certainly was a few years ago. And obviously, no nothing has been happening the last two years. But I'm sure, curious yeah. to see if things start <laughs> to pick up again. Um, in terms of education, I studied visual communication design in college, which most most people would call graphic design. Okay, yeah. So I have no formal education when it comes to programming, but that is, I suppose, like 90% of what I spend my time doing these days. Um, third question was... So career career, career leading up to Obscura. Yeah.
0: So this is usually the big one.
1: <laughs> that is a funny one, in fact, because there is very little career to speak of. Oh, Okay. Uh, When we were in our second year of college, we did a module doing HTML and CSS, and that was my first time doing any sort of coding whatsoever. Okay. You know, leading up to that, you know, I've always been interested in tech and Apple and apps in general, and my dad is a photographer, so I was like very immersed in that whole world and in a room full of designers, I was probably the most tech geeky of anybody there. And so I had for a couple of years, maybe really felt like getting into app design was what I wanted to be doing. Uh, you know, kind of app and web space. But I always had it in my head that I would be designing apps, and someone else would build them. Mm. And and th- at this point, you're talking like mobile apps, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was so my second year of college would have been. 2014 2015 okay, cool uh, so yeah well well into the iphone era and i wanted to build these apps and i had you know all these ideas and little sketches and stuff that i put together from time to time but eventually just came to the realization that like n- there there isn't anyone who's going to build these things for me like, I can't afford to pay somebody to do it. And yeah. who is going to take a chance on, you know, going into business with me or whatever? So it, it slowly dawned on me that, like, nobody's going to do this for you. you got to do it yourself. And so doing that HTML CSS mo- module in college was just enough to, like, break the seal on doing any sort of programming whatsoever. And then I, after that downloaded Xcode, struggled with... Xcode and (laughs) uh, certificates and provisioning profiles. And certainly back in 2014 or whatever it was, that was by far the worst part of trying to get started. Uh, But eventually I got past all that and I did gradually teach myself how to write apps. How, how did you do that? Was that through,
0: like, online courses and stuff?
1: Not really. I did try Apple's, uh, you know, the Stanford classes that yeah, were on yeah. Apple's education thing. Kind of the,
0: the classic, it feels like. They recently did a an update to it, um, but I haven't heard much about that.
1: No, I mean, um, so I tried that and did, like, two or three of those classes and was like, this is slow and boring. And, <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't really want to be building whatever there was like a card app that they were doing i was like that's not what i want to be doing so i kind of did just got just enough out of it to get started and then just went off in my own direction and the first thing that i made was a little game called agile which was essentially you know whack-a-mole oh yeah like the carnival game where you're just like you're trying to hit things as they pop up you're hitting it with the little foam uh like mallet thing exactly it's basically just digital version of that and i did it ultra minimal, just black circles that would fade in and you had to tap them before they turned fully black. And it got faster and faster. And so that was the first thing I did. And it was truly horrendously made. (laughs) Every part of it was just held together with duct tape and dreams. (laughs) Uh, But I launched that. It took me about three months, I think, from starting to getting it out, which in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was amazing because it takes me far longer to do anything now. Yeah, yeah. And it made something like a hundred euro total in its
0: okay, life, but you got it into the
1: store. You went through that whole process, got it into the store, and it it pretty much paid for its own uh, the developer license. That yeah, year.
0: that was always my my first like version of this was uh, the Microsoft Store in Windows mm. Phone days because I was I was the one doing that, and uh, that was always my goal was if I can get to. Like paying that hundred dollars because I think it was a hundred dollars there too. Hmm. Um, it's not even break even in terms of your time, right? Right, but it's break even because at the time anyway, all my hobbies had to be like break even, like because I yeah. also did visual effects and motion graphics and stuff, and I would shoot weddings just to like offset it. Yeah. And so my goal was always to reach hundred dollars. I don't think I ever reached it. I don't even think I got to the point where you get a payout. Um, oh dear! On the on the Microsoft Store back then, so. So I understand that feeling, being just very excited to even get to that point.
1: Yeah, just getting to open up analytics and seeing anything is exciting. Yeah, there's a real person using your thing. That's also yeah. scary, too. But. And then they email you going, this doesn't work. And you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> now there are real people using this. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but then following that, that was in the lead up to WWDC that year. And so I think I had been writing code for about three or four weeks. Before Swift was announced. Oh, man. So just as I was getting to grips with Objective C, they're like, and that's all in the past now. Welcome <laughs> to the future. Uh, I didn't make the jump over to Swift for another year at least anyway, but it was funny that like, I had picked just almost exactly the wrong time to start learning Objective C. Man. Yeah, that's me with
0: UIKit. I, I was about five months in uh, yeah. when Swift UI was
1: announced. uh, but also didn't jump right in (laughs) yeah no like Swift was a mess in the early years anyway so it was it was fine Uh, but then following on from that uh, was also when Apple announced all the manual camera APIs okay yeah and that was like okay well I've built this dinky little game but you know what a pro camera or a camera that gives you more control over the hardware is something that I've always wanted Uh, because if you're used to holding like a physical camera in your hand, there's so many dials and controls and you you can have just so much control over what you're doing. And then you go to the iPhone camera and you're like, hey, this is really impressive for the size of it. But it sucks when you try and adjust a p- exposure and then you turn your right. camera a little bit and the accelerometer is like, hey, you moved, the scene has changed. Let's negate all the changes you have made to exposure and focus and whatever else. And you're like... It's not what I asked for. Was this... Do you know... Do you remember which uh, iPhone we're talking about at this stage? Uh, Was this when the
0: phone cameras started getting good? I think it was probably around the iPhone 5
1: era. Okay. I should probably have written all this down ahead of time. No, no, you're fine.
0: Well, and so this would be post Instagram too, though, where like iPhone photography as a... It's funny, like during that era, I feel like iPhone photography was... It was a genre like mm. of art. Yeah. Um, they're all in square. 100%. You throw the filters on, like it's kind of its own.
1: Hashtag iPhoneography.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh
1: man, I haven't heard that term in a long time. Yeah, so these new APIs come out for things like manual focus and controlling the shutter speed and the ISO. And I was like, cool, we can finally make pro camera apps. And so that is what I started doing. And then at the same time, do you know Michael Lupp? who uh, was at RANS on twitter i bet i would recognize his profile picture but i can't uh... he he's like a big shot manager and he's worked at apple and slack and various places okay he does a lot of writing about management and stuff but he was this huge proponent of one of instagram's filters called gotham okay which was a black and white filter with a bit of blue in the shadows and a little bit of yellow in the highlights very contrasty and it looked really great if you were shooting like uh Land, or like cityscapes and skies with clouds, just like really punchy. Kind of heavy handed in retrospect, but like it's, it's a cool effect. And Instagram killed that and just oh. got rid of it. And he was like, this sucks. This was my favorite. And so he started like looking at various apps to try and recreate the effect. And he would hashtag all those photos with uh, RIP Gotham. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, there's something like, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a Gotham filter in Obscura? And in fact,
0: you had already you had already so this at this point you were designing a
1: camera. This app. is still still yeah, in development early on. And in fact, I had not even settled on a name yet. And so the working title for a while was Gotham with uh oh. <laughs> with no o. It was just Goth or no a. So it's just Gotham. Mm, that was course, the working title yeah. for a couple of months. <laughs> Um I was sitting with a friend in a cafe in Dublin one day and I was just like, I I need a good name for this. Like, you know, because I'm a big fan of puns, so I'm like, what's something clever? What's something that sort of ties into the camera, like some sort of obscure camera term? And I'm like, oh shit, obscura. So obscura, what's the what's the like mashup or what is the pun there? Uh, well, it's not exact, it's, Yeah, not exactly a pun, but uh, camera obscura was the original form of camera, uh, and it comes from the Latin, where camera means room or chamber, uh, and it, it's like almost translates to the same word, chamber, and camera.
0: Okay, this refers to the like the pinhole cameras. Yeah, exactly, ah. which
1: originally were bigger. It was like yeah, just like a large box. Has a pinhole and and obscura is the Latin for dark. Right. And so it was just a dark box that if you have a pinhole, light comes into and it creates a little lens and then that's your camera. Okay. That's awesome. That's a great name. I mean, it's a good name anyway. Like
0: it's recognizable, everything. But uh, I don't, I did not piece together that like etymology, I guess. And
1: I like that. Yeah. I, as soon as I come up with it, I'm just like, this is, this is perfect. I could not think of anything better. And I don't think I've come up with a better name for anything since. So, <laughs> so that's that's how Obscura started, anyway, as just kind of like pro APIs or pro, you know, these manual control APIs and then data of filters, which makes it a bit more fun and accessible for the people who don't care so much about the pro features.
0: And was the the
1: original idea was live filters? Like
0: you'd see it yes, while you're taking exactly. it? Okay.
1: Uh, and I even spent a huge amount of time and effort on all this clever masking of the video feed so you could swipe left to right across the viewfinder and the filter would follow your thumb switching uh, yeah yeah on one side before the other which I'm sure was terrible in terms of performance and stuff <laughs> and all this but but it worked and it was cool um and then so around that time i had decided to go to san francisco for the summer with a couple of friends because it's very easy for us in ireland to get uh, summer j1 visas oh interesting what, so what is that is that just like a it's just like you're a college student you can go it's like for up to three months as a summer visa oh interesting okay that makes sense but you're specifically only allowed to do certain kinds of work right which is like working in restaurants and that kind of thing um and so that's what i was doing but i also got an offer from apple to do an internship at this time on the camera team which was very exciting oh my goodness Um, it feels slightly (laughs) relevant it's slightly relevant. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> it was an absolute mess of a story because uh, the guy I was dealing with was just not very on the ball and making this happen quickly. Mm. And so it didn't really come together in time. And I was going to San Francisco anyway on this other visa that wouldn't cover me for an internship or anything like oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, that's awful. <laughs> I did kind of keep the ball rolling as much as I could with this, even though I knew it would probably fall through. To get to the point that I went to Infinite Loop for my first day of onboarding, and they were like, can you do all this paperwork? And pretty quickly, I was like, yes, I can't do all of this. And they were like, well, that's going to be a problem. And uh, the whole thing fell through, and it was a huge disaster. But I I had predicted that it probably, like, I'm amazed it got as far as it did. Huh, man okay well
0: you you stepped foot in you know the hollowed grounds of infinite loop yes, i guess <laughs> I, I got a,
1: a compensation burrito from the cafe there, there you go <laughs> uh yeah it was yeah it was upsetting that that fell through but not unpredictable uh and then i went back to working in restaurants in san francisco for the rest of the summer But it was only about a week after that, that I launched Obscura 1. Which you wouldn't have been able to do as an Apple employee. Which I would not have been able to do. It worked out. Yeah. And again, in retrospect, it's kind of crazy that I ever let it get that close. But I did. And it worked out. And I launched Obscura. And again, the launch of Obscura 1 wasn't amazing. It made like $600 in its first day or two. So, I mean. Which was certainly more than agile. And I was like, cool, we're moving in the right direction. What year was this? This was 2015. Okay, 2015. Summer 2015. And then that was all well and good. And, you know, left San Francisco back in college, September. And I wouldn't say I put Obscura behind me, but I was like, okay, I've got college to deal with now. So, this is obviously not getting as much attention. And then right before Christmas that year, Obscura won, I think, was free with in-app purchases and I was planning on switching to a paid upfront model. What were the in-app purchases? Was it just for the filters? I think. Okay. Uh, from what I remember. And so, right before Christmas, I was like, "Okay, I want to go paid upfront. I think that'll probably do better for me." And it's before Christmas, so you know, people will be getting new phones, whatever. And about a day before I was going to release that update, it got featured on the front page of the App Store. Oh man. So I started getting, you know, I checked the analytics that morning and it's like, yeah, you got 18,000 downloads yesterday. And I'm like, that's cool. But oh, shit. I should get this update out ASAP because all these people are downloading it for free. And, you know, they were supposed to be paying for it come tomorrow. Wow. So I rushed that update out. Then over the next few days, made a big pile of money, at least by my standards at the time. It made like $10,000 over that Christmas period. Wow. And that, that was from...
0: Because the features back then, that was before the the switchover where like...
1: Before the Today tab, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, a feature was... It lasted a week, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, you could switch it over and you were still featured, but now as a paid upfront app.
1: Yes. Nice. Which, in hindsight, I had a few people be like, did Apple let you do that? Like, were they not mad at you? And I was like, you know what? That never even occurred to me. And seems like it was fine. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like, I could see... From the outside, somebody
0: looking at that and being like, oh, like you kind of game the system. It seems like a bait and switch. Or- yeah, exactly. But it's like, one, it's not like they, I assume, reached out to you to work with you to make this a feature. No. Like if it's like features are now, it just kind of happens and then you're really excited.
1: And presumably if they had gone to the effort, they probably could have seen that like, hey, I uploaded this build, you know, a week ago and it's been in testing and all this stuff. And like, right. I had no way of knowing. So. So that happened and it made a nice chunk of money. That was in my third or maybe that was fourth year. Anyway. You're still in college it- at the start. Still in college. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Like that uh I don't know. That sets me up well for the future. Like I'm yeah. less concerned about what's going to happen when I leave here in a couple of months because I've demonstrated to myself at least that, like, hey, there's money in this. Yeah. And so Yeah, I was kind of like ready to leave college, and I I definitely slacked off more in the last few months of my (laughs) final year than I should have, because I was just like, yeah, who cares? I can do this forever. But did okay, finished up, and then once again decided to move to America uh, with my then new girlfriend, Sarah, because again, there's also a J-1 graduate visa that we can get, which is you can go to America for a year and specifically do internships. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and so I moved to New York and worked for this company, Small Planet, that I knew a couple of people who had worked there, uh, App Development Studio. And that was an interesting place to work. It was good. It was like nice being in Brooklyn. Probably got some exposure to professional
0: software development, which is definitely like a different you know kind of vibe.
1: Yes, certainly more so. I was working there specifically as a, as a designer, not doing any coding, but oh, okay. still great to just be around that yeah uh the one downside to that is pretty quickly i got put on this big project for a major health insurer in america ah yes welcome to america slow moving project (laughs) Uh, which was an excellent excellent education in exactly what i want to not be doing for the rest of my life uh yeah not not to disparage small planet because that was a really nice place to work
0: yeah but health insurance my first job was in health insurance uh and I know what you mean.
1: I'll have to say yeah. that. <laughs> uh, and then meantime, throughout the year, I was doing bits and pieces of work on what would be obscure too. Uh, so big redesign, big focus on these kind of uh, wheel-based controls that were very much like modeled on, like using an iPod click wheel or
0: just like uh, think of yeah. the nicest
1: stereo system you've ever touched and how satisfying it is to just Twist a good knob,
0: and at this point, haptics were already a part of the the iPhone system. Haptics
1: were yes, pretty pretty recently, but they were there. In fact, yeah, 2017. So I had an iPhone seven, and the iPhone ten would have come out towards the end of 2017. Okay. So while I was designing Obscura two, then yeah, we got the first iPhone X, or first iPhone ten style device. Uh, so lots of changes around the design for that. And continued working on it. Then, as I left America, came back here, and that's when Adam came into the picture, my co co partner. And he did a lot of work on getting the control wheel working, which is or which was this horrific implementation of a UI collection view. Oh wow! Uh, designed designed to work in a yeah. He, he called it the arc view layout, and it's it's complicated and messy and there's a lot of trigonometry involved that I really don't like touching. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it mostly worked and we did some really cool stuff with that. And uh, the obscure two launch went really well. That was uh, summer 2018. Okay. And was that a,
0: was that a new paid upfront app or was it an update to obscure one?
1: Yeah. That's a good question. No, it was a brand new brand new app. I'm curious about
0: that because it seems like most developers really don't want to do that. And I, the impression I've always gotten is that like, if you do that, you lose out on obviously your reviews reset and like there's all this equity that you've built up on that specific, you know, bundle idea essentially in the app store that you have to start over from scratch. But you you did that for Obscura 2 and I think that's what you did with Obscura 3. Is that right? Yeah. And so what was the thinking behind
1: that? And have you felt that pain? <sighs> Certainly. It's it's such a messy problem and it's something I do think about a lot. Cause it is it's pretty fundamental to, you know, how I'm designing and building Obscura and planning yeah. for the future and all this stuff. To me, it has always felt like the most natural approach to this kind of thing. Like it's it's a like Obscura 2 and Obscura 3 were Complete rewrites, complete redesigns, like starting a new project, and just almost nothing carried over. Right. Other, other than ideas, just the whole thing is like, okay, th- we made a lot of mistakes here, and we know how to fix them, and we know how to do them better. So, like, let's start with a clean slate and go from there. So, to me, they have always felt like distinct products rather than like an evolution of what's been there, at least from like a code perspective. And so to me, it's made sense that they would be that way. And I would love to do things like offer upgrade pricing. And I would love if there was a way of like linking these apps to be like, here, this is Obscura 2 and it's been discontinued. But like, here's a link to Obscura 3. And instead, all you can do is hope that a person finds it. You know, I do put in like a little notice when you launch Obscura 2 now for the first time since Obscure 3 came out, that, like, hey, we've got a new version. You should check it out. Can you link to... You can link to the App Store from that, yeah. right? Okay, cool. Exactly. So I show that just once now because I'm extremely loath to do anything that would interrupt you from getting to the camera. But right. I, f- I feel like this is the one exception that I'll make. And then it's there's also a link in Obscure 2 settings. Um, but anyway, back to the history lesson. Um, Obscure 2 came out summer 2018, right before WWDC uh may 24th i want to say okay and the day it came out it was featured as editor's choice whoa which was extremely cool did you see that coming like
0: uh, it's interesting that they would even know like that's a quick turnaround from them i just assumed things would take a while Uh,
1: uh i had been in a little bit of communication with a couple of contacts that i had in apple who worked in app store editorial yeah i had no idea that that was coming. Yeah, that's... Man, wow. You know, they were like, you know, as supportive as Apple ever is, which is, you know, very quiet and... <laughs> right, like, yeah, opaque. Uh... <laughs> responding to some of my emails, so that was something. Uh, but then at one point, I was planning on launching like the week earlier, I think, and my contact was like, I'm going to suggest you launch... A week later. Ah. Uh. <laughs> like, okay. Well, I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> and I think the reason was one of the other big camera apps, possibly Camera Plus. So either Camera Plus or Procam, they launched a big update that week. Ah. Uh. Proceeding. So maybe it was that. Maybe it was just because they're like, oh, we have an open slot for an editorial pick. Right. So I don't really know. They didn't, obviously, didn't say very much. But that was hugely exciting and a huge honor, yeah, uh, it meant Obscure 2's launch went really, really well, and that was also by that time I had met so many more members of the kind of wider Apple community and the press and podcast and all these people, so there was definitely a bit of buzz, and you know it got fe- it got mentioned on uh, Mac Stories and nine to five Mac and Mac like all these kind of places, yeah made it kind uh, of flashy, buzzy yeah. which was very exciting and uh, the launch went well and then I think it was later that year uh, around the autumn, I was contacted by somebody else who worked at Apple who was like, hey, I work on the Apple Store app not the App Store, but the, the retail oh, store yeah, app, yeah. where you go to buy a new MacBook or make a Genius Bar appointment or whatever and he's like, we do this promotion that you might not have ever heard of, but every so often we're like, we give an app away for free via the retail app. And I'm like, okay. Which I had like vague vague memories of seeing before. And they were like, we wanna give Obscura away to people. And I'm like, okay. One, why? Right. (laughs) Two, it's a paid app and you want me to give it away for free.
0: With no way to
1: then monetize that. Uh, I think we did have filter packs okay gotcha which were like 199 each and there were two of them maybe three of them at that point but it was not a lot and it was kind of just like uh, okay well let's try and just do some back the envelope guesstimates at what numbers we might see and what conversions we might get and my kind of very rough numbers were like yeah it looks like we'll probably break even Based on what I would otherwise expect to get and the kind of trajectory of sales of the next month or two and all this sort of thing. And I was like, but you know what, it's Apple. And if they say, do you want to do this thing? You say yes, because you want to be on their good side and you want as many people who work inside that company to know who you are, really. Yeah, it's sort of a if it's break even, it's sort of an exposure play, I guess, then. Yeah, exactly. And again, more people find out about it and maybe people buy the in-app purchases, whatever. So we decided to go for it. The whole thing blows up. Every news site and whatever on the internet is like, hey, this app that was previously paid, you can get for free. Because places love to write about that kind of thing that gets clicks and views. And
0: you know what? I think that might be when I originally downloaded Obscura 2. I'm ju- like until you just said exactly mm-hmm. that. I think
1: I remember that specific like event happening. Uh, I also I wrote a blog post on Medium of course and I titled it I gave my app free- gave my app away for free and what happens next, next will amaze you. <laughs> Did <laughs> you that was the actual title? Yeah. That's amazing. Was like, Let's go as trashy and quick bitty as possible and that also was pretty popular. And That's I still awesome. get emails from me from Medium like once every couple of weeks being like, hey, that got 30 new views. And I'm like, okay, that's (laughs) like five years old, but sure, Uh, four years old. Um, But the crazy thing that happened there was that people, now that Obscure 2 was quote unquote available for free, as long as you redeemed it from the retail app, people went to the app store and bought it. I don't really know why. They're just like, they heard the name, maybe a friend told them, but it basically... Had as many sales as it did at the launch. Whoa. So we got like a second launch for free. That's fascinating. It's completely wild. It was completely unpredictable. It wasn't quite that, but it was like, you know, 80% of that or something.
0: Now, how did that compare to the downloads? Like, did you get analytics of downloads through the Apple store that were free? Uh, Yeah. I think it basically just showed up as like, hey, you've got a download, but no money for it. And was that, was that like way bigger than the amount that you were getting through the app store that were paid? Meaning, did you get like a huge influx of new
1: users along with this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Most of them were obviously these new unpaid users. Right. But there was also a big spike in paid users. Man, that's interesting. Yeah. I know it was, it was utterly baffling. And you're, you're like, you almost feel bad for these people. Like it's free. Yeah. Just like go to the other app, and it's free. But you know I uh, wasn't complaining either. And then I can't remember the exact timeline, but around the same time, uh, we also got asked to do a special build of Obscura for the Apple retail store demo units. Mm, yeah. Which again was cool, and I don't know if that ever translated to any sales or anything. Like, there's no way of tracking that kind of thing. But again, it was really cool and again an honor to be asked to do something like that did you go to an apple store and like find it and just yeah, feel all the good course. feels
0: that go with that
1: yeah that's <laughs> we've, awesome we've no actual apple stores here in ireland unfortunately but uh we do have a couple of authorized retailers so i did that and i think i must have been traveling at the time because i remember seeing it maybe in london or somewhere wow there's no apple stores in ireland
0: it's a, it's a huge, huge problem. Man, considering like half of the company supposedly exists there for yeah. tax reasons or whatever, uh, I, that's kind of surprising. I
1: suspect that's why there is no store it's here. There's a tax yeah. reason that they're like, once they become a retail property here, then it completely changes. I don't know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there's rumors there's like a big development happening right off our main shopping street, a big shopping center or something going in there. And I've heard whispers that Apple might be leasing space there or something i don't know oh man that's been i don't know happening for a couple of years so who knows but it'd be nice though because if you want to get a phone repaired here or anything like that you've got to go to these authorized resellers that are just nowhere near the quality of an actual apple store
0: right okay so obscure too i mean you're sort of it's like greatest hits of all the good things that can happen with an app as far as uh, apple editorial stuff goes um and that that lasted for a while. And any updates that you put out, were you continually working on
1: Obscura 2 and
0: doing updates and
1: stuff during that time? Yeah, we certainly were. And there were some some big changes around that time. Um, Obscura 2 is when we implemented f- the first support for dual camera phones. Mm, right. That was a big factor. And then depth mode and stuff. Uh, And also live photos, which I don't think Obscura 1 had supported. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Because like we said earlier, every iPhone has new camera features. Yeah. And with that, usually new camera APIs. And so you're probably just kept pretty busy just
1: keeping up with all of that. Yeah, that was kind of the main brunt of Obscura development over that time was just like trying to keep up with new camera stuff, which is a good problem to have, of course. But it kind of became apparent that Obscure 2's UI was problematic when dealing with all these different camera features because there are a bunch of them that are kind of like either codependent or preclude each other from working. Yeah. Like you can shoot live photos, but you can't shoot raw at the same time. Or you can shoot with uh, like manual focus. You can't do with a virtual camera. The virtual camera, meaning
0: they're like, let's treat all three lenses like they're one lens and you can smoothly zoom between them all.
1: Exactly. Which is cool, but it's just like, because we're working with three cameras at the same time, two or three cameras, focusing on a specific or, you know, setting this focus to a specific value doesn't really make sense because there are three different values that we are intelligently managing for you. And same with the white balance, because like these are different sensors. And so we have to handle white balance differently for each of them. So... Just no manual white balance. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And the problem is Obscure 2 had basically all of these settings at the same level of hierarchy. And so if you wanted to change one thing, it wasn't particularly clear that another feature would still be possible or should we just override the previous setting or should we disable it, all that sort of stuff. And so when it came to designing Obscura 3, I was just like very explicit from the get-go. It's like, we need to have clear distinct modes that kind of batch these features together so if you want to be shooting depth that is a specific mode and there will not be like manual focus there won't be white balance and then if you want those things we have a pro mode that is just like only using a specific yeah hardware camera at a time but it lets you do all the things so that was the plan for obscure 3 um but in the meantime adam and i had been working on a calendar app oh which is not something I ever I haven't really talked about publicly that much. Uh, but just one day I had this idea for like, wouldn't it be nice if a calendar app was less like a spreadsheet and more like scrolling through Twitter or something? Like, it should be kind of a timeline of your life rather than like a database of things to manage. And so we worked on that for about a year. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, it was a very fun project to work on. We had a bunch of great ideas, but. As time went on, the more work we did on it, the more we realized we had to do. Yeah. And it just, every day I would sit down and the problem would get bigger and bigger (laughs) and there were more things. And you'd go to work on a feature like um, adding attendees. And you're like, okay, that seems straightforward enough. We're going to have a list of contacts. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. The EventKit APIs don't include any way of adding attendees to an event. And you're like, OK, well, that is is a problem, (laughs) because that's a thing people like to do when creating events. Uh, And so we looked into it, and we're like, there is a private API or something. There is some way of doing it that other apps are doing, but we hadn't worked out how to do it. And then the other alternative is like, OK, well, then you have to sign in to everybody's individual email or calendar providers. Right, Gmail, Microsoft Outlook, and whatever else, all the calder caldav servers and all this stuff. and you're like that is so much bigger in scope than anything we wanted to deal with. and so there was just problems like this, and they were just manding up, and eventually we we're just like, we need to put this on hold because one obscure two is making less money as time is going on, and this is seeming like it's further away than it was. Six months ago, the finish line feels like it's running away from you faster than you're running towards it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. So we were just like, you know, this this is unsustainable. We need to put a break on this and obscure three. It was like, okay, we've done no work in it. I've done a bit of design work. So I had a few ideas kind of down on paper, but it was like this is a problem space That I am very familiar with and Adam has done a bit of the work on image processing and stuff like that. And so I was like, we can absolutely do that. Like, no question, we can get to the end of making another Obscura. Yeah. And kind of, you know, I was like, maybe, maybe a year about that. And it ended up being pretty close to a year, in fact. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, And so around this time, Adam was busy with other things. And so it was mostly going to be me working on Obscura 3, which was fine. Because, again, this is what I'd been doing over the last five years of my life to varying degrees of uh, full-timeness. And
0: like you said, this was Greenfield. Like, you literally started a brand new project. Obviously, I'm sure took lots of
1: your code from your old one. But (laughs) you'd be amazed how little we took over. Oh, wow. You know, just there are so many things where I'm like... I understand how this works, and I have made some mistakes, or I have like gone into like dead ends of implementations. And then also a bunch of the work we had done on the calendar app was relevant and useful. Oh, interesting. Which is not obvious at first, but mostly what that meant is I had spent a huge amount of time coming up with good ways of using Combine ah. to make list views.
0: Right. So you're you getting to use new Swift APIs uh, yeah. and Apple APIs um, for this that, yeah, you wouldn't be able to obviously reuse any of your old code because that's all in.
1: No, and it was all much, much older. Like that was dating back years at this point, whereas yeah. the optical stuff was like it was a year old. Interesting.
0: It's funny. I feel like this is like the success story that uh, every like senior developer person warns you against uh, where it's like greenfield projects always sound like they're going to be good, but it always ends up being this big minefield and you spend forever. But it sounds
1: like you kind of have a success story version of that. A little. I mean, you know, it's not as if a huge amount came out of it, but things like the settings view in Obscura were like directly lifted from that work in optical. And then I translated that because it's all uh, the difficult data source. And combine for having lists and collection views that are better at updating themselves, which is incredibly important when it comes to your photo library, because that is a collection of photos that you need to update dynamically as things are added and photos are deleted and stuff, which, of course, was always a big source of bugs in obscure, too, because dealing with. Data models is a pain. And yeah. <laughs> again, like my background is in design. So I love spending all my time fiddling with UI components and all this stuff. Like data models is just not my speed. It's what I spend a lot of time doing, but I do not love that part of it. Uh, so the Combine stuff and Difficult Data Source was hugely helpful in making so much of Obscure 3 just better than it was before. Uh, it helped get started really fast like within within about a week or two i had like a functional prototype that was the settings library and the start of the camera interface all up and running nice
0: and so the was the was the kind of principle thinking behind obscure three then uh sort of what you were talking about earlier bucketing these different modes into a more clear from a ui perspective. Um, UI where it's like all right you have these different modes and when you're in these different modes you have these options otherwise you don't have these options so it's a little more clear when you can and can't do things like manual focus or whatever.
1: Exactly and then the interface where it makes sense we you know show and hide different options Yeah. so when you're in like the depth mode there's no white balance controls at all they're just hidden Right. which is easier and then you know disabling stuff or being like if you change white balance then we'll disable depth and like no we're just like you're in depth mode if you want to shoot depth and you're in pro mode if you want to shoot roll so much clearer easier to communicate easier yeah. to build and
0: well i'll let you go but i do have another question related to that but i'll let you keep going on the the history
1: here sure uh i had various other ideas in you know how some of this stuff should work i wanted to get away from the The control wheel that I had built for, that Adam had built for Obscura Two, just because it was kind of finicky, and it was great for having like here's a list of you know infinite controls, and we can add and we can add more if we need to, which is great when you're dealing with the tiny amount of screen real estate that you have to fit camera controls into. But it was kind of tricky to use, and you would try twist it to one spot and you would slightly overshoot or whatever right so so let's get away from that let's have more dedicated buttons for specific features and we did reuse some of that idea of the like these radial controls particularly for the manual exposure and focus controls Mm -hmm. so you can just like touch and rotate with your thumb and it's kind of like using a dial and kind of not it's very satisfying feeling <laughs> it is very satisfying we put some nice haptics in there yeah. which i spent i spent quite a bit of time trying to get that right and it is tricky but it's good now i think uh and then there's other other controls that we use kind of gestures for shortcuts so there's like a whole filter picker that you can use in pretty much all the modes except live photos because live photos are a pain in the Yeah. Um, And so you can tap that and you can see a whole list of all the filters and you can jump to different categories. But you can also just touch the filter button and swipe your finger outwards and you get this little radial pop up of your favorite filters. And so we managed to kind of bring a better balance of those gestural controls while also having things be tappable and super explicit if you want that. Or, if you don't know the gestures are there, they shouldn't be as necessary. So, they were kind of two guiding principles for the design direction of the camera UI. And then the other stuff, the library is a little bit more similar. Uh, I did kind of group albums together. So, we've got this nice sort of thing which shows you, depending on the size of your thumbnails, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of your recent photos. Then you can scroll down, you see different albums, and you get like a preview of. Photos there. And we built in some cool features regarding like rating, which is not a thing that iOS really supports in any easy way. Right. Image metadata is a big pain in the ass for us as well. But we discovered you can kind of hack around this by creating albums in the photo library. And so we created albums for one star, two star, three star, four star, five star, and then like flagged and rejected. And so if you open up your photo library, there's like a little folder that says obscure three and you go in there and there's all these albums. And so then in Obscure's code, we can just be like, oh, if the user taps three stars, take it out of any of the any of the other star albums it might be in and then put it into three.
0: But then that way they can they can see their that metadata in the like normal photos app as well.
1: Yeah. Or any other photo related app that lets you browse albums. Right. That's cool. So that helps. But then in obscura we can kind of just present it as like this is three stars.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Which is really nice because the little the little heart that you get in the photos app is is fine, but it's it's very binary. Like yes. there's not a lot of yeah. granularity to that. Yeah. <laughs> And when it comes to like dealing with your photo library of like tens of thousands of photos, maybe even hundreds of thousands of photos, you often want something a little bit more than favorite or not favorite. Right. Uh, So I'm really proud of that feature. And I'd love to do more with that at some point, but it's also kind of a question of like, do we want to be making hundreds of albums in the user's library? Probably not, but I think there's more interesting stuff there. I'd love if Apple just made nice APIs for tagging images with stuff. Yeah,
0: it seems like at some point that should be a thing, even if it's not exposed in the default app.
1: Yeah, and like that exists on macOS. You can add tags to photos, but they don't really show up anywhere else. Oh, really? I didn't, I did not know that, huh? Yeah, it's possible. I think on macOS you have keywords and there is something in iOS now where you can like swipe up on an image and you you can add a caption which is different to keywords, but sort of works in a similar way.
0: I use captions to make the search semi usable. A lot of times. Oh, interesting. I'll write like if I take a picture of, like last night I took my son to his first soccer game and we got his schedule. And of course the digital version of the schedule, I don't trust because it's often out of date. So I take a picture of it and immediately add a caption so that two weeks from now, whenever I don't remember where that paper is or anything, I can quickly search for it, yeah.
1: You can search just soccer schedule cool so there's stuff like that where you're like all the pieces are there and like you know keywords and tags are not exactly a new technology that doesn't seem like be really the hardest <laughs> yeah. thing to add but it's not there and the little i've heard from apple engineers who work on the photo stuff is that they're very cautious about this kind of thing because it doesn't take much for some rogue app to just be like let's just uh, you know you grant us access to your photo library maybe even for a good reason but then we can just scrape Everything about you and your life, if we wanted to. Mm. So they, they are hesitant about that kind of thing.
0: So it's just a extreme caution taken with regards to
1: what metadata to make available there. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which I, I can't really blame them for, but at the same time, I'm like, a little bit would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Even just for stuff like uh, knowing if a photo is roll or not, takes a surprising amount, amount of work. Really? Yeah. Wow. You have to like request all the various assets that are all the various components that make up a photo asset and then be like are any of these you know do the files end in dng oh wow that kind of thing interesting it's, it's a pain in the ass huh and so in obscure we have like a when you're looking at the library interface we have little badges for raw files and screenshots and yeah. stuff some of those are not as easy as others And that gets back into the whole combine thing of like, now we have to do these asynchronous requests to find out more data about the image and then update the UI. and That all sort of fed in to make that easier. None of that is built with uh, the Swift Async await yet, but that is something that I am very curious about
0: in the near future. Nice. So the other thing with Obscura 3 that you did that, at least in my head, seems like it would have been a big lift is video like you can shoot video in obscura with manual controls looks like live filters and all of that stuff now yep how did how did you decide to do that and then how like was that a, a really big lift it's
1: a good question uh when it came to video it was just it was one of those features that i'm like we we should have it right like the camera app has it people ask for not a huge amount but every now and then they're just like hey why doesn't this app do video and i'm like well it'd be a lot of work but uh it would be cool wouldn't it it'd be nice to have these controls that we've built for obscura that like i you know personally i think are the best part of the app it'd be nice to have those for video and like i said earlier nice not to have to fight against apple's camera app when it tries to be smarter than you and changes your exposure and all this stuff it'd be nice to just have control over that but when it comes to the interface for video, there are some big challenges. Namely, when you're shooting photos, almost all the time, you're like the photo is 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Right. Because that's the native resolution of the sensor. Uh, but video is 16 by 9, generally speaking. And so that takes up much more of the phone's display. And so you're like, okay, previously we keep all the controls down below the viewfinder, but if we're shooting video, there's no way that'll fly. The controls almost by definition have to go over the viewfinder. Mm. Unless you wanted to make the viewfinder tiny, but I don't think anybody wants that. And so we're like, okay, now all the controls need to work as an overlay instead of just contained in a little black square at the bottom. So we had to do... A lot of planning on how that was going to work, how they would appear. That also led into the theming options that Obscura now has. Because we're like, okay, well, at the very least, it has to have two states. So, might as well have options for different appearances. Which is definitely a thing I want to play with more in the future. Yeah. Um, But that also let me do another of the features that I'm really proud of in Obscura 3. Which is shooting still photos with different aspect ratios. Because once we had done this work to make the controls work as an overlay for video, now we're like, oh, well, you can shoot 69, 16 by 9 photos or 2 by one photos. Like essentially pre-crop. Yeah, exactly. And also square photos, which are another one of those things that I probably should have added when I first launched Obscure in 2015 when people still shot square photos. But yeah, that was like a, it's a whole own, you know, art form or whatever. But it's here now. Um, so that that's been cool. That's been like a fun convergence of different features to tie together. Um, I don't know what the reception to video has been because we, we have a little bit of analytics in the app, but not that much. And I'm kind of like, maybe we should try check for a few more things to see like how many people are recording video. Um, have you made that a major point of like the
0: marketing? Like how many, because I feel like they're also separate um, while there's probably a lot of overlap, they are very separate demographics, and so yeah. Obscura has a well-known, you know, brand and is known as a good, you know, one of the good photography apps. And if, by the way, uh, listeners as well, if we suddenly hear background noise on my end, it's because there's really big storms coming through, uh, and the rain it sounds like it just started. So. Fair warning: if you hear some ominous thunder,
1: uh, that was not added in post to make this. Okay, if, if you need a if you need a run for shelter, just let me know. Yeah,
0: no, I yeah, there's there's a small chance that might happen, okay. uh, but anyway, um, what was I saying? So the I feel like the the sort of pro video market and pro photography market are kind of separate demographics. Are you kind of from a marketing perspective going after that video demo yet? That
1: is a good question, and. I think the best answer i can give you is not yet uh when we launched obscura we had this uh feature around custom presets and the way all this works is super complicated because there are a bunch of controls that you can manipulate from the camera interface Mm -hmm. and then you can also manipulate them from the settings And the reason for this is that there are some things that you want to adjust temporarily and some you want to adjust permanently. Right. Like you might want to say, I always want to shoot pro raw plus JPEG when I'm in the pro mode and like never, never change that. That's fine. But flash is something that you probably only want to turn on, you know, very contextual session when you're in a bar and it's dark, whatever. But otherwise, you want that to be off. And so it would be terrible if the user turns flash on, and the next day they're you know taking a photo of their breakfast, and the flash goes off, like terrible user experience, and like you know that intu- intuitively, but when it comes to actually like how do you make that work, it gets much more complicated. So there's this whole system of like storing whether the user has a particular setting that they want to persist or to always use the last used version. Uh, So that was the whole preset system, and it had a couple of bugs at launch. And particularly for the video mode, where if you would set either the resolution or the frames per second, that just got ignored when the app was killed. Ah, So video had a couple of bugs, and they took a little bit longer to fix than I would have liked. So I was kind of not putting too much emphasis on the video right at the start. Right. But uh, going forward, I'm definitely going to both spend more time using it myself And then, yeah, looking for ways of promoting that and seeing what are the things we want to add. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. That You know, it's a world
0: I used to live in a lot and um, have not as much in the recent future since children. Mm. And so my gear, the gear side of me has like, it's all very old and shrunk down. And so I've been excited as uh, the phone uh, video cameras have gotten so good that like I can sort of, put on that hat for fun every once in a while and I'm shooting whatever random things. And so, uh, I definitely have dove into that on the photography side, but on the video side, I tend to just fall back to, you know, the default uh, camera app from Apple, but like I'm really excited to start playing around more with, um, actual manual focus controls and like getting white balance right and all that stuff. Like that's all stuff I haven't done in a long time. And it was kind of exciting to see that in an app I already kind
1: of know with an interface I'm already kind of familiar with. I I'm, I'm exactly with you there. Like I just in the in the lead of the launch, I have not had as much time to just be playing around with some of this stuff as much as I would like. And so video in particular, I'm just like, I'm I'm not much of a videographer. Like I've done a little bit here and there, but my background is just entirely based in stills. And Mm. so I'm looking forward to playing with it more and kind of both myself learning more about what we should add and tweak to it and hearing from users. Uh, Because I think there's a lot there. And there's even, there's all sorts of ideas that I had around like displaying the microphone input in cool ways and stuff like that. That I just, I kind of had to scrap in terms of like getting the app ready for launch. How are you, how are
0: you like thinking through testing and workshopping ideas there. Cause on the photography side, like you said, you're one of your parents was a photographer. That's probably something you've lived with your whole life. Yeah. But on video, it's a little bit newer of a world for you. Have you, were you seeding it to people ahead of time? Or are you, like you said, you're kind of trying to start playing in that
1: space. Not particularly, not any more so than just like, here's the whole app, try it out and tell me what you think. Um, I do like, I've just, I've got to always, growing list of features and stuff that i want to try at the moment i've kind of just like the first month was really just catching up on some bugs and stuff that popped up during the launch and then just a couple of features that were like oh they were so close to being there for the launch but i was like okay no i need to give them a little bit more time and then now the last couple of weeks i've been getting the app ready for localization Ah, okay. I'm trying to get all that together. And that's proved it's taken a little bit longer than I had hoped. But uh, once that's out of the way, it's kind of like, okay, now back to fun features. Uh, Both widgets and iPad support are kind of like my next big domains to tackle. Oh, nice. Cool. Well, I have a lot of other
0: questions uh, related to that but i know we're we're kind of running up against time um and also maybe
1: tornadoes that's all good we'll come back for obscure four one day
0: yeah there you go but i don't want to let you go without asking the question uh, i always like to end this with which is what person or people out there have inspired you that you'd recommend other people check out
1: you sent me this yesterday and i was like oh god who inspires me uh (laughs) everyone nobody um (laughs) And and I'm my own like, person. I couldn't yeah. get here without the people in my life. <laughs> but I, I started thinking around and I was like, I, I came out as non-binary a couple of years ago and I was kind of just flicking around Twitter, Twitter and I was like, you know what? There's a couple of great non-binary people that I follow on Twitter and I thought like, let's give them a shout out. So one is Alex Cox. Yeah. Who does a bunch of podcasts and has recently gone independent as well. Uh, and Alex, Alex does the podcast "Due by Friday," which is one of my all-time favorites, and makes me laugh and cry in equal measure. And Roboism also great, uh, well worth checking out. Roboism is also good. Best uh, intro music in podcasts, I still think. Yes, <laughs> it, it is great. I listen to it at the end of each show, like trying to parse the lyrics because they're they're just on the edge of what you can understand. <laughs> it's one of the like.
0: I will I will turn off uh overcasts uh smart speed and everything for the music. It's, <laughs> nice. It's like so annoying, but I just really like that song a lot uh for whatever reason.
1: Uh so yeah, Alex has just gone indie and I'm like, go go check out Do By Friday and support the Patreon and stuff. Uh Matthew Bischoff. Yeah. You're probably familiar with, I'm sure pl- many listeners are. likability. Uh they are practically an institution in the iOS space of just making great products being great members of the community. And Matt, in particular, is just, they are great at Twitter. Uh, And worth checking out. Yeah, yes. (laughs) And then lastly, Ricky Mondello, who works at Apple, previously on Safari, Safari and now on passwords and keychain and all that sort of stuff. And they're, I think, just spearheading this revolution of destroying passwords as we know them and... (laughs) Bringing about a new era of authentication and stuff, and they're very passionate about it, and it is great to watch. Yeah, the uh, that's the the
0: person who gets to like. Well, I'm sure it's a whole team, but that's the person I see on Twitter. That yeah, Ricky uh, is
1: very much the public face of destroying passwords.
0: Well, and gets to kind of uh, put a, a face to the mm-hmm. like meme of whoever at Apple came up with this feature where it auto imprints your password whenever yeah yeah, pre-filled passwords from like sms um yeah i always see them like retweeting those
1: and it just makes me excited every time it comes up it's just and it is one of those features that when it happens to you you're like hell yes this is one of the best things ever to happen to life changing feeling uh it's yeah so good so there there's three people worth checking it
0: yeah those are great and all right. I think, man, it, <laughs> uh, we have my webcam on so you can see. But this room yeah, has so just keep glancing It at just the keeps window. getting dramatically darker and darker. I'm lit up by my display only mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but no tornado sirens have gone off yet. So so
1: I think we're God. still good. Um, I forget sometimes just how, like, tranquil Ireland is generally. <laughs> like, we've no, no uh, huge weather issues. Like, you know, we've no poisonous spiders or snakes or anything. Like, it's very gentle safe place to be most of the time right constant uh
0: light rain and cheap exactly is what i'm imagining anyway uh, i've not that's, made it that's there pretty yet.
1: much it very few <laughs> things that will kill you or or even get mad at you that sounds lovely so yeah i guess stay safe for the rest of the day yeah no i i, I uh
0: i should be okay we have basements here which helps uh Good. <laughs> unlike some of the other places in tornado alley around here so um so, yeah, we should be good. But uh, before before I let you go, uh, where can people find you and your work? Uh, I'm at Ben
1: Rice M on Twitter because my middle name is Rice and it's very unique and it's great for do- for domain names and usernames and stuff. Uh, and you can search Obscura Three on the App Store or go to obscura.camera awesome thank you so much for coming on this was really fun and thank you. I uh, excited to
0: see where obscura goes going forward me too thanks for listening if you'd like to discuss the show you can find me on twitter at underscore chucky c or tweet the show directly at launched fm i'd really appreciate a rating or review in apple podcasts overcast breaker or whatever your podcast of choice happens to be and you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com.